Hi, Gregory. Hi, Thomas. How are you? You were asking people, what is your opinion of the actor Nicholas Cage? C-A-G-E-F-I-G-A. Don't be looking at her too hard now. This is a very different and weird question. Oh my God. I really like how he doesn't seem to give a fuck what anyone thinks about him. This is Cage Fight. And I think that's kind of badass. Welcome to Cage Fight. I'm gonna drink me a beer. Hello, once more. Look what's happened. You have listened to one, uh, 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 door, uh, uh, all the way up to 26 episodes. We are Cage Fight. My name is Gregory Aikman. I'm here. I'm very excited to talk to you about a film, but, you know, oh, shit, no, I might not talk to you about film. We don't know what's going on because we haven't learned what this show is yet, but don't worry, we'll get to that. My name's Greg. I am never alone because I am fearful of being on my own. So who am I with? I am Greg's stand. My name is Thomas Beeman, and our ability is to do cage fights every other week. Yeah, that is our magical power. And um, I suppose in terms of magical power, uh, two white dudes recording a podcast isn't that high on the list, is it? Uh, Much like my previous reference, too many people have them uh, for it to be... (laughs) just a very special thing anymore but here we are regardless everyone who is alive has the quality of life but life is still special people don't start going on about life being meaningless just because there's too many people currently people do say just that don't they Mm -hmm. um uh well listen i i'm here and i'm doing all right i'll tell you what if you joined us last episode, you would know that it was pouring down with rain when we were recording, but now it is a very sunny day in this erratic world oh, in which we live. That is nuts, because it is, it is crapping rain currently. Really? <laughs> <laughs> but what do we do? What do we do in this here thing? When we come together and we turn on recorders, okay. speak into microphones, why? Why? Yeah. Why? So when me and Greg meet we do the uh dragon ball z fusion dance and nice uh this is gonna be an anime latent episode for some reason i've decided Uh, (laughs) and when we fuse together we become cage fights which is a podcast where we both watch nicholas cage movies and we decide which one of them movies done do us a good watching and that will go on to the rest of the movies until we pair them all down to the penultimate, amazing, bestest, can't ever dissuade us, can't argue against, best cage movie. Magnificent. I really, really hope that this is uh, anime reference laden. And if it is, here's a nice little uh, task for you people listening at home. Why don't you comment what you think, how many uh, references there were to anime, and uh, if you picked up on any of them, in the comments to this episode. Write down all the individual references you heard Thomas say. I will miss pretty much all of them, unless he says, like, Pika, because I don't, re- <laughs> I'm not familiar with anime. Uh, the, <clears throat> the one that I watched when I was much younger, too young to have watched it, I can't remember what it was called, but it is the one that begins with you and is a long name and was famous for popularising tentacle porn. 
Oh God. Are you, are you Googling those parameters to try and be, it's got Eurus. I'm, I'm not, I can't, I can't Google tentacle porn anymore. It's a, <laughs> we, we won't get into it, but yeah. Uh, so what, <laughs> what, what movies do we have to do? Well, I have watched, uh, for your listening pleasure, dying of the light. Ooh. What did you okay. watch? I watched Zandali. Ooh, I I have, other than writing it down on various spreadsheets and lists for the purpose of this show, I have never heard of that movie. Mm. Yeah, before this, I had, I've never seen it. Do you want to open with uh, Xanadu? Fucking yes. So this movie came out uh, 1991, and... Oh, Boy, it's a fucking doozy, man. It's hard to, it's hard to like decide where to start with this. But yeah, uh, we've got three characters that are the most important part of this film. We have Zandali, uh, played by Erica Anderson. We have Johnny Collins, played by Nicolas Cage, and we have uh, Terry Martin, played by Judge Reinhold. Yes, yes. And as we mentioned in the previous podcast. Both Nicolas Cage and Judge Reinhold have mustaches, so you know where this is going. <laughs> so this, this it takes place in New Orleans, which is important to the story. Only that Judge Reinhold has a really weird Louisiana accent. Magnificent. And oddly enough, Cage doesn't like. I don't. It, some it's hard to tell sometimes. He might like have an Affleck's like here and there, but for the most part, it's uh, he doesn't have any accent. Mm. So uh, to try to explain it simply, also Steve Buscemi's in here, but we'll get to him later. Terry and Zandali are married. They talk about the beginning of their relationship being full of sex, which is like seemingly the most important thing to Zandali. Mm-hmm. But, uh, Terry was an artist, he was a poet, he was prolific, he made tons of poetry, wrote books, uh, but his father passed away. His father owned uh, like a big communications business, um, so he inherited that business, and ever since, he has been um, unable to get it up both physically and mentally. So he can't write poetry, and he can't do the penis into the vagina thing. Um insert and i mean literally and figuratively johnny collins nicholas cage's character who is terry's old friend he is also an artist he's a painter but he's a grungy underground type painter he he he's like anti-establishment anti-corporation so he doesn't make a lot of money unlike terry does but he also still does his his art and still like believes in his art and practices his art Mm. And essentially, like Johnny gets back into town, he reconnects with uh, Terry and meets Zandali for the first time. And essentially what comes what this boils down to is they have an affair. Zandali and Johnny have an affair. They have an affair for most of the movie. It's uh, uncertain exactly why the relationship is what it is, because it seems like Zandali just really cares about sex and uh, the like cares or values like a person's love of art and practicing of art over okay. pretty much anything else. 
this all comes to a head um, when Terry, he like knows, right? Something's going on and Zandali apologizes, but doesn't outright like reveal because he doesn't want to hear it. He takes her to uh, some backwater place in Louisiana and he tells Johnny about it. Mm. Uh, I guess Johnny cares so much about Zandalee that he like goes out there to meet them. There's a fucking dance scene on a Amazing. Dock between yes. jo- between Johnny and Terry. So Nicholas Cage and Judge Reinhold are dancing on a dock together. The, and this, uh, this yeah. is what I've always wanted to see. You should see this because it is like they this is shot in the like probably 1990s, right? And they have never looked better. So it's these two guys dancing around on a dock, like sexy as fucking hell, and his wife is watching. It's like really, it's got a bend to it that is hard to nail down, but there seems to be uh, constantly throughout the film. I'm like, are they going to thruple up? Like, is this going to be, is this going to happen eventually? Because it seems like there is sexual tension in more than one direction, you know? (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) But that's cut short when. Uh, Terry brandishes a gun, tells them to get on a boat. Obviously, he knows they're up to something. Uh, they drive a boat around real fast, and it's super fast, and everyone's scared because mm. Terry's unhinged. And <laughs> they hit something. He falls out of a boat. Um, okay. He drowns willingly. Like, he knows how to swim. Like, it's said that he knows how to swim. But he, like, prefers to drown. And when Johnny's character tries to save him, he bites Johnny in the fucking neck. <laughs> enough enough where blood just gushes out of his fucking neck, right? So he doesn't want to be saved. Uh, and he dies. And you would think that that's the end of the film, but it keeps yeah. fucking going. <laughs> There's when that happens, the funeral happens. There's yeah. still 15 fucking minutes left in this goddamn movie. Oh my Christ. Yeah. So Zandali is mourning her husband mm. and Johnny just cannot let her go. So he tracks her down again and, they, by the way, uh, this is important to bring up now. I guess Johnny does some drug stuff. Like, he takes drugs. He deals drugs. He does drugs-related things. Okay. At this point, she's out in the street, and they're blah, blah, blah. And Johnny's drug guy pulls up and shoots at him. Zandali jumps in front, takes the shots, dies. Right. And Johnny ends the film by holding her dead body and walking through the streets of... Uh, New Orleans. Oh, this sounds amazing. And Steve oh, Buscemi is in this film. Steve Buscemi. <laughs> yeah. Is that the whole but, point? Steve Buscemi was there as well. Anyway, there's next. two. Yeah, there's two characters in here that I really got to bring up before mm. I close out on this. Steve Buscemi plays a garbage collector. Okay. Who <laughs> will collect garbage. And say some weird ass shit to Zandali that makes no sense. Mm. And it seems like they know each other, but it also does. She never mentions that she knows who this guy is or spends out time with him outside of what he's doing, collecting garbage. 
But then at toward the end of the film, when <laughs> she's at the grave of her husband, he shows up again and is like, damn, you look, you're all fucked up. That sucks. And just, <laughs> just says some fucking unhinged shit and then disappears. Like, that's his whole role in this movie. Every <laughs> film needs a character like that, preferably played I, by I Steve believe, Buscemi. I can't do... I can't argue against you. I just can't do it. Uh, and then we have a second character played by Joe. Uh, oh, God, this is going to suck. Joe Pesci? Joe Pantoliano. Joe Panto. Joe Pantoliano. Joe okay. Pantoliano. Okay. Okay. Uh, you'll, you'll remember this guy. He was in uh, Matrix. Uh, he played the dude who uh, wanted to eat steak and come over it or whatever. Oh! <gasps> Oh, I know, I know who you mean. That yes, guy. yeah, he plays a uh, homosexual man in this movie, mm-hmm. who's just kind of like a um, a friend to Zandali, and he's like his whole thing is to be a sassy gay man. It is so good; <laughs> it has no right to be this good. He like he fucking nails it, and it's it's awesome. Um, <laughs> oh, uh, Marissa Tomei's in here too. She's a throwaway what? character, really. Yeah, yeah. She's just there <laughs> sometimes. Did, did they cast this on a day where everyone just had the day off and like, yeah, screw it, I'll I'll be in this. Why I not? think so. They're just pulling people into the lot. <laughs> That's magnificent. You want, you want twenty bucks real quick? Be in the scene. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah that's the movie like that's zandali it's it's a weird like sort of love affair thing with no strict messaging on like either morality of the idea or you implied you implied this movie was bad this sounds brilliant i really hit on the best points (laughs) and they're good they're good points there's hours in between um, each of those moments. And there's that are just so rubbish. many titties in this film, it's ridiculous. I I have an exclamation in full all caps. Yeah. Every time titties showed up in my notes, I just wrote titties like across <laughs> my and there's there's a lot. There's too many. I've missed times to write jot that note down because it just happens way too often. Like uh, Erica Anderson, the actor of for Zandali gets naked way too much in this film. It's like, okay, I get it. Like you're fit. You look nice. I understand. But like, please just put some fucking clothes on. Were, were you there watching the film? Just going like, Oh, for goodness sake, have some self-respect. Would you? <laughs> After the 15th time, I was like, Oh my God, please. For the love of Christ. Just put what, some what shit on this? it. Don't, what is this adding to the movie? This yeah, isn't like, important to the plot. Yeah, now it is actual titillation other than just happenstance of this character <laughs> being naked 24-7. Well, well good, good honor. And speaking yeah. of unnecessary titillation, uh, Yura Sakadoji, Legend of the Overfiend, was that anime I was trying to think of earlier. Oh, yeah, I've never heard of that. I'll have to... Well, you said it inspired tentacle porn? Nah, I'm good. I'll stay with it. I, I think it... it popularized rather than inspired oh. okay gotcha all right cool yeah lots lots of lots of demons coming to earth and anyway that's a that's for a different podcast which is greg reviews the one anime he's ever seen over and over again yeah so uh to sort of like bring it back to you what yes. we're here for please uh which i believe that it's it's important to note so that's why i'm bringing it up uh 
Nicolas Cage's acting in this is really, really good. Really? Um, because it's it's a lot of like great parts of his acting. Um, it's not like his best performance by any means, but he's doing a good job. He's doing a great job. And he's going nuts. Like, there's a scene where, <laughs> like, Zandali is, like, clearly, like, done with the affair. And he just starts fucking shit up like crazy. And he just pours paint over his half-naked body. And he's, like, rubbing it on himself. And, yeah, he's just, he's letting loose. And in the way that we expect and adore about his acting. Although, um, from doing this show, what I'm learning more and more is that Cage letting loose like that that doesn't happen in many films. Yeah, 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 exactly. When when we think, like, oh, this is what he gets hired for, like, that was my assumption, is, like, oh, he's in this film because he needs the money, and also he'll just fucking break out and do something crazy that, like, the they can put on a fucking poster or something. Yeah, because it's like, what was that film? I think it's one we've already done, but there was a quote, for, uh, not a quote from the film, but uh, someone was, one of the filmmakers was talking about it, and uh, Cage did did a scene, and they said, hey, that that's great, we love that, but would you mind going a bit harder on this one? Well, okay, you want me to go full cage. And I really like the idea that he knows perfectly well what people mm-hmm. see him as. But mm-hmm. um, but he doesn't do it too often. But when he no, does, it's he always really an does absolute it. joy. It's an absolute joy. Yeah, it really is. And in this particular case, it's it's done in a uh, in a way that it, where it fits into the film appropriately, too. So. Okay, well... In which case, that sounds like a phenomenal movie, and I think Dying of the Light will probably uh, not quite reach the heady heights of that one. It is an enjoyable film. I will say that straight off the bat. But it's, it's like a thriller. It opens with Nicolas Cage being tortured. (laughs) <laughs> full on just tortured his ears getting chopped with pliers and uh, oh my God. he's he's being questioned like who are who are you tell us who you are and it's like well, I'm just this contractor I'm no one liar torture torture tell us who you are this happens and it's all screamy shouty and that and then the CIA sort of come in and blow everything up and rescue Cage and then it turns out he's working for the CIA and then straight away after this five minute opener 22 years later boom mm. which i always like i love it when a film just does a huge time jump right away i think it's very very exciting <laughs> okay particularly as cage seems not to have aged much in those 22 years <laughs> uh, they didn't go overboard with the makeup like either making him younger or making him older they just changed the color of his hair but anyway, <clears throat> as a, he's a CIA agent, but he used to be a field agent. But ever since that incident, he's been a desk jockey. So he's just mm. been doing all of that stuff, and he's he's unsatisfied. He's unhappy, and he goes into the, his boss's office, going like, "Hey, come on, can I just go back in the field?" It's like, "Well, we'll talk to you about it a bit later on, but just carry on what you're doing. You're very important to us." And. Cage is convinced that the person who was torturing him, called Mohammed bin Yair, is still alive. As far as everyone's concerned, about 20 years ago, he'd, well, 22 years ago, when the CIA got Cage out of there, they killed bin Yair, And he's mm. been dead for over 20 years. 
Whereas Cage is convinced that he's still alive, but everyone's going like, this is personal, you're just angry because a man tortured you, which is fair enough, but not on our time. Come on, settle down, he's dead, let it go. And while this is going on, Cage goes to his doctors because he's been feeling a bit poorly, and it turns out he's got frontal temporal uh, dementia. Which, yep, which essentially just means, what have we got? We've got an unreliable narrator. Because because he's claiming all of these things and like claiming stories, and it's never entirely sure whether his issues are PTSD, dementia, or he's just true and mad things are going on. Right. The CIA are very grumpy with him because he keeps on going like, you're treating me like shit and you're being evil. Binya's alive and I know how to what we need to do. I want to find him. I have to find him. Uh, because part of having this uh, frontal temporal dementia, part of the symptoms are like unreliable sensory perception, mood swings, very violent anger, and he's too manly to accept therapy. Right, So he turns <laughs> okay. that down. Okay. Um, so he's getting really angry and we never know throughout the film whether he's angry because people aren't treating him seriously or whether he's ang- angry because he's poorly right but there's he ends up getting uh forced to retire and one of the younger guys working at the CIA who always sees him as like a mentor as a father figure he finds out that a drug for a rare blood disease has been used halfway across the world around turkey or something Right, and they put a track on for that sort of thing years ago because that would be a drug that Vignier would need for a disease he's got. Mm, okay. They start working together off the books to try and because they're convinced Vignier is actually alive. They end up finding him. Uh, all the while, uh, Nick Cage is getting worse and worse and more and more ill. They end up finding Benier and arrange to pretend to be his doctor to take his drugs to him and then Cage wants to kill him. But when Cage and Benier finally meet, Benier's going like, hey, nice nice to see you again. And he's like, no, fuck you, man. You're evil. Everything you stand for is evil. Am I the evil one? And then he explains what America oh. does. And Cage is like, oh, God, now I don't know. And because he's so confused and everything with his illness and he's uh, not being lied to, the guy's saying, like, here's all the horrible things you all have done to my family. So now you understand why uh, I was put forced into a situation where this was the only option I had. He's like, okay, well, in which case, I'm not going to help you, Binyar, but I'm not going to kill you. I'm just going to leave you to it. Mm. And he walks away tells the young man who's helping him like yeah i killed him it was brilliant you should have seen the look on his face when i stabbed him and tortured him and it was brilliant it's like yeah fuck foreigners it's brilliant and it's all like that and cage is gonna leave it except some of the terrorists who work with binier shoot up a swimming pool and the young guy gets shot and injured so cage's like fuck this goes back to the terrorist to Binyar and murders him. That's all over and Cage sort of gets into a car to drive away, go back to his real life in America and all of that, but his illness causes him to pass out and the car goes in the way of a lorry and he gets destroyed and killed. And Cage dies in the end because his illness his illness causes him to pass out while driving. So, to reiterate, 
Cage works for the CIA, gets tortured. 22 years later, he's got de- dementia, but he still wants to f- find this terrorist that everyone thinks is dead. Turns out he is alive. Cage finds him and kills him. Then Cage dies because of the dementia that he's got. It's a really fun film. Cage's performance is very subpar. This plays like a really enjoyable TV movie rather than anything else. You know, you've got your unreliable narrator, which is always, always a treat for a Greg. It's an interesting one. It's another one, like you'll remember from last episode, it's another one focusing around terrorism for for a Greg to watch. I like that it was slightly nuanced in the way that uh, when you meet the big bad, he's just explaining himself, going like, ah, yeah, what I did was shitty, but... I had to, and here are the reasons why I believe I had to. And it's hard to argue against him (laughs) in it Mm, as well. mm. Um, Unless the Visa people are listening, in which case it's easy to argue against him. But Cage's performance is enjoyable. It's not like a moustache performance, but it... But he does. He he gets to go a bit crazy because his character is losing their mind and like their sensory perceptions are all over the place and that. Cage's character is allowed to go a bit woo, yeah. But I don't know. Like I feel like Cage could have lent into it more. But uh, yeah, there you yeah. go. It's just a nice little thriller, a nice little TV movie thriller. There's no nudity in it, so your film may indeed win based on that alone. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, almost by principle, I want to say that Zandali doesn't go through because he's got... Well, okay. To mm. be perfectly honest, he has okay. a mustache, but he also has, like, you know, kind of like a soul patch sort of and, like, some chin hair. So maybe that doesn't fully qualify as just a mustache. Uh, yeah, because I think when it's just a mustache, those films are avoided. Uh, I think okay, mustache and soul patch, although that means bad human, it doesn't necessarily mean bad <laughs> cage film. Andy's got super long hair in this one. Like they, they were like, it, it is definitely a '90s version of what Minnie would refer to as a fuckboy. <laughs> Amazing! It really is. But that, and uh, but then these are our these are our choices. This is this is what it comes. Mm-hmm comes down to we have got a film which you watched the you said wasn't that good but had beautiful moments and you got steve buscemi who may save it and you've got uh fuckboy cage and him doing a great a great role and you got someone biting someone's neck because they try to stop them from drowning <laughs> these are all great exciting points and i've got yeah dying of the light which is just a sort of like this is all right but it's the sort of film that you would watch with someone's parent it's that sort of film like oh okay like this will be interesting and you like reading scandi noir and stuff why don't we why don't we watch this it just feels like if you ever watch dying of the light you will immediately feel like you've watched it before because there have been mm. so many films just like this a lot better a lot worse than that but it's just, do you want the excitement of Xanadu, of Zandalay, of, of, <laughs> of Vandalay Industries from off of Seinfeld? Yeah. Or do you want the sort of meh of dying of the light? Do you want the... Yeah. I mean, is to me. be honest, like, there's a lot of... In Zandalay, there's a lot of... I, I cut out all the meandering of the just the affair happening like they give a lot of time <laughs> for they give they they dedicate a lot of time 
for Nicolas Cage to be fucking Erica Anderson. So Cage insisted on that. So like, I've looked at the <laughs> rewrite. Would you mind just adding a couple more of these? What does that do for the plot? Uh, I, I don't know, but have you seen that? <laughs> it's truly like too much. Like they go to it too often. Mm. After we've already got the picture, like the frame of <laughs> what's going on. But as you said, like there is points to this film that truly do save it. I mean, like any movie, in my opinion, any movie with Judge Reinhold in it, like, you know, there's going to be some weird shit happen. Like, yeah, he's if... going to be weird in weird ways. And it's really fun to because he like he really gets unhinged toward the end, end of the film. Nice. And like, yeah. And it's like, oh, shit, this is like very well, well, honestly, this is basically like Nicolas Cagey, like in the way that he kind of like lets loose with the character. And so in my opinion, I think Zandalee should win just simply because there's essentially double the amount of Cage in this film. And like with Judge Reinhardt, when, whenever, whenever someone says Judge Reinhardt, you immediately think Beverly Hills Cop. And yeah. anything which reminds me of Beverly Hills Cop, one, two, and dare I say it, three... <laughs> Uh-oh. I like three. I like three. I know it's You're not allowed. as good as You're... one or two, but come on. Beverly Hills yeah. Cop at a theme park. What's not to love? But, <laughs> like, if I'm reminded of Beverly Hills Cop, that film is in the uh, big green tick box. It's got to be. Mm-hmm. Whereas yeah. Dying of the Lights, all right, it could have beaten a lot of films that we've watched previously. Mm-hmm. But it's just... It's just so it's all right. It's not exciting. Yeah. There's nothing exciting about it. You'll what if you watch it, you won't not enjoy it. But it'll be like, yeah. huh? I could have watched Glass Onion <laughs> to get, <laughs> and that would have been good. Or I could have watched yeah. an episode of Twenty Four instead. But yeah, yeah. And there are parts to Zandalia that are just they're bad, but they're bad in a fun way. And that's great. If it's bad in a fun yeah. way, it's just good, isn't it? That's just another yeah, way to say really good. Is. Whereas mm-hmm. you said you cut out a lot of the meandering things when you were running down the film. So so did I. I <laughs> I told yeah, you the yeah. most exciting bits. And it took a long time to explain just the... Not explain, but run through the, the most exciting bits. And I was boring myself going through my notes. <laughs> Yeah, I I mean, I was like, oh, this sounds okay. <laughs> and it is. It's okay. But yeah. if we've got double cage, if we've yeah, got so, double cage. It's so weird. Like, it, it really, it, I don't, I hate to harp on it, but it just, mm. the whole film in your, in your like, what the fuck is going on? Like, <laughs> what the fuck is going on with these people? Like, it leans slightly into hate watching just a little bit. Because you're like, who the fuck are these people? Why is she getting naked all the time? What the hell is going on? Like, yeah, it's it's enjoyable in that way. Yeah, that is magnificent. Uh, in which case, I'm not going to put up any fight whatsoever. I am very, very comfortable with saying we we want you to be a uh, uh, plastic salesman. I can't remember what George was going for with the Zandalay Industries. I can't. I can't remember that episode of Seinfeld enough. <laughs> I, I don't even. I don't even. <laughs> but I suppose one of the 
one of the last things to check is have you been dropping anime references throughout? <laughs> um sure. <laughs> like you can't you can't fact check me. What do you no, yeah, I, yeah, I've done it this whole time. <laughs> fantastic, fantastic. Listeners, fact check him. Fact check. And if Thomas. you guys can't spot him, it's not my fault. Okay, they're there. Exactly. He's not here gatekeeping. You've got he's not stopping you from watching these films. He's just pointing out that you haven't. And if you wanted to watch some anime but you're not really into anime or you don't know where to start, why not start with Yurosaka Doji, Legend of the Overfiend from 1989. It will certainly entertain you. They should make a live action version of that starring Nicolas Cage. <laughs> Oh shit! Yeah, that would be sick. That's got it. Oh, dude, Nicholas Cage in any adaptation of anime would be pretty, pretty awesome. And I think no one would get angry. You know how they did with Scarlett Johansson, right? Mm-hmm. I think everyone would go, "Oh, but you can't." Ah, fair enough. Yeah, go on. Oh man! Wow. So Zandali, you've got it. You're you've ran you've ran through the muck. And you've uh, you done you command your way through it. Congratulations, uh, Greg. Yeah. When they when these people, these fine, beautiful people, aren't these listening wonderful. to this podcast. Yeah. Yes, absolutely wonderful. What if they're not listening to this? What else could they listen to that has your voice in it? Oh well, uh, oh so so many things. I'll tell you what. If you if you want to rock some old school, I think all of Chaotic Adequate is still online. If you want to listen to that, but what you can listen to is me running through and rewriting Bible in an arrogant way. There are just go to iTunes, Better Bible, or go to my website. It's all on there. If you go to my website, you'll also be able to find the Art Noise Experiment Comedy Sketch Show, uh, the Smoke and Mirror Sessions. Which is uh, deeply, deeply experimental, deeply noisy, deeply disturbing, quite funny. It is a panic attack in ten parts, suspiciously forced into six parts. It's all, it's all quite fun, and it makes very little sense in a way that you just need to give yourself over to it. It's worth a listen. No one listens to it. One episode of that is on iTunes, but the rest can only be found on my website because, come on now gotta keep things uh keep things greg but yeah mainly better bible uh more stuff will be coming out soon i imagine i'm i am furiously writing away on about five separate separate little projects which um i've got a couple of months to kill i'm gonna be very productive but once you've listened to everything greg maybe they go ah that was good i enjoyed listening to all those things greg thank you very much i've commented and subscribed and liked and given you all money somehow now i want to get involved with more thomas action what's what's thomas doing thomas have you got anything going on the action that i have going on is the action of rolling dice and playing roles that's right dungeons and dragons i don't know if you guys have ever heard of it i have and i'm doing it i'm doing it on twitch.tv forward slash off duty otter that's twitch.tv slash o-f-f-d-u-t-y-o-t-t-e-r uh, every Sunday around 3 p.m. Eastern Standard, we are uh, we're crashing, we're descending into Avernus, we're going to hell, and I'm going to meet Hot Mommy, Devil Mommy. Oh, that sounds fit. 
and uh, I I am renaming it from Eastern Standard Time to Eastern Basic Time. <laughs> EBT. EBT. It is the white wine and IPA of times of time uh, zones. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness. Yeah. Hey, I'll tell you what, all listeners, here's an idea. Maybe you can get this done. I want to do a crossover episode with us us two and Eternal Quadrant of Emotions. They they're miles away. We're never gonna do it face to face. Or if we do it'll be when they come up north a bit. Can you hassle them and see if they're up for it? We could just ask them. We're kind of friendly with them. But can you hassle them and say it's something you really want to see? Because that would be quite immense, I think. Absolutely. That would be very epic and, and a very fun time. Wouldn't uh, it? After, yeah, it'd be great to have them on for season two of Cage Fights. Oh, season two's happening soon, isn't it? Yeah. Very um, soon. We're almost we're almost time for a break. We'll be breaking just in time for Christmas. But anyway, anyway, you lovely people, we will speak to you again probably in two weeks. But you never know. You never know. And uh, congratulations once more to to Zandale, 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 Zanadi, Zanadu, Zanadu, Zanadu. <laughs> <laughs> Zanda. See you later. <laughs> What do you say we cut the chit-chat a-hole?